Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hi there, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Hasiotis. Today it's December 16th, and the Boston Tea Party took place on this day in 1773. Now, we have to go back to Boston in the colony of Massachusetts in the 1760s, so a little bit before the Tea Party. This is before the United States was a country or a political movement, really. Uh, Everyone was still a British subject. And to understand the context of what became the Tea Party, what led to the event, you need to know about the Stamp Act of 1765. Now, many goods had to be stamped in order to prove taxes were being paid back to Britain. This isn't just about postage stamps. It's uh, playing cards, all sorts of goods. And the colonists responded that these internal taxes were too onerous. It was too much of a pain. It was a contentious issue. The people who were actually in charge of overseeing the stamps resigned and left their posts. And Britain responded that, okay, we won't do that, but we'll instead tax imports to the colonies. And all this talk of tax may conjure thoughts of the saying, no taxation without representation. This is the sort of thing that is hammered into the heads of people in American history classes in middle school and high school. And what it means is, that no specific members of parliament back in Britain were elected by the colonists or represented their interests directly. Parliament, on their hand, responded that essentially the colonists did have representation because everybody in parliament represented them, sort of. Uh, This was known as virtual representation. The colonists didn't really see eye to eye with the parliament on this and uh, it led to some more conflict. And that brings us to tea. Now, tea was super popular in the colonies. Uh, Colonists consumed 1.2 million pounds of tea per year, which is more than half a million kilos. The imports, however, were controlled exclusively by the British East India Company, and the import tax could be increased or decreased as necessary by Parliament. One justification that Parliament gave for setting up this monopoly and levying these taxes was they had to spend money and resources on the French and Indian War which they claim benefited the colonists, but it also benefited Parliament and the British Empire as well. Again, a series of events leads up to the Tea Party. It's, it's not just one isolated event. Laws and acts come into play. The 1769 Indemnity Act repealed the tea tax, but then the Townshend Acts restore that tax, and then those were repealed in 1770. And then in 1773, we have the Tea Act that comes along. Now, at this point, the people of Boston felt unrepresented. There was discontent. The whole population of the city was about 15,000, but there had been meetings of up to 5,000 people to talk about the problems. That's a third of the population of the city. And on November 27, 1773, word got out among one of these meetings that a shipment of tea was coming in. Now, the ships arrived in Boston Harbor and wanted to unload their tea, but the colonists particularly didn't want them to do that because then they'd have to pay the duty. The way it worked is once the tea hit the docks and left the boat, that's when the duties had to be paid. So folks whose names you may have heard, if you're familiar with American history, Paul Revere, John Hancock, Sam Adams, folks like this, and 113 other Boston townspeople were at the Old South Meeting House in Boston. Now, that's at the corner of Washington and Milk Streets today, and the building still stands. You can see it. It's directly across from the Irish Famine Memorial. A little bit of a hubbub grows up in the crowd. Uh, You know, people get a little agitated, and everyone marches down to the docks. And they dump what today would be nearly $1 million worth of tea into the harbor. This is generally a peaceful protest. There was destruction of property, obviously, and 
probably some shouting, some kicking and shoving, but uh, nobody was killed. There were no serious attacks. In fact, of the 116 people who participated in this act, only one was arrested. Now, word of what became known as the Boston Tea Party didn't reach England until January of 1774. The British reacted angrily. They closed the port of Boston. They insisted the British East India Company be reimbursed for their lost goods. They reinstated the Quartering Act, which meant that British soldiers could stay in the houses of colonists for free. They restricted meetings. And they also decreed that British officials who were accused of major crimes in the colonies couldn't be tried in the colonies and would have to come back to England. So the Boston Tea Party didn't kick off the American Revolution per se. It's often shorthanded that way in history classes, but the first draft of the Declaration of Independence didn't come into existence until about 10 months later. But if we can agree that a country is a set of ideals and goals, that there are no real borders on the ground. It's just a way that people think about themselves and the groups they belong to and what they value. The Boston Tea Party really did codify some of what America today believes about itself. If you want to learn more about the Boston Tea Party, then search for the December 8th, 2008 episode of our companion podcast, Stuff You Missed in History Class. That's titled, How the Boston Tea Party Worked. I'd like to thank Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this show. You can subscribe to This Day in History Class or Stuff You Missed in History Class on Apple Podcasts. You can find them on the iHeartRadio app or pretty much anywhere else you find your podcasts. Now, please make sure to listen to tomorrow's episode when host Tracy V. Wilson returns and she will regale you with a history behind a certain celebration. 